Hey Lifehouse, it's great to have you joining us online this week. Hey, we're gonna get into our new vision series. It's called Strong and Courageous. So join me, let's go, strap yourselves in as we listen to this morning's message. Thank you, Father, there is nothing better than you. You are unimaginable, undescribable. You are nothing but love. You are nothing but grace. And we thank you this morning, Father, for that. We thank you that you've removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. We just thank you, God, for the life you breathe into us, the life you breathe into this place. And we just pray, God, that you would speak to us today, you would challenge us, you would grow us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm not doing welcome. What am I saying? Uh, here I am. Uh, I do want to say a, a big hello to our fearless leaders, Josh and Bill, uh, plus one Walter. Where I, oh, there you guys are. I can just about see you all the way through there. Uh, don't worry. We haven't wrecked the church, have we? No, we've been, not yet. We've been loving each other, forgiving each other, keeping our eyes on Jesus. We've been telling our friends about the good things that God's doing in our lives, aren't we? It's going good, and, and they'll be back soon. So actually, let's shout out to them and say, uh, uh, good morning, fearless leaders. How about that? Because they can hear. You see, that's what those microphones are for. It goes all the way to Israel. So uh, on the count of three, we'll say, good morning, fearless leaders. How's that? All right. All right. One, two, three. Good morning, fearless leaders. We love you guys. All right. Now, uh, I'm getting to speak today on our second part of our vision series. And today I'm wanting to speak from uh, Joshua chapter 2 specifically. Uh, and I believe it's actually going to be a pretty challenging message. So strap yourselves in. And uh, we're going to be speaking about Rahab. Bit about the story of Rahab, some challenging points. Uh, but before uh, I get into chapter 2, I'd like to read our key verse from Joshua 1, which is Joshua 1, verse 6. And we've already heard this uh, last week from Tash's great message. Thank you, Tash. And the all-in day, if you were there. Here we go. Uh, Joshua 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore, oh, it's on the side, I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This is God speaking to Joshua. He's saying, be strong and courageous. Because I'm going to get you to lead this crazy mob into what I have for them. It's a promise. And if you've been following along and reading the book of Joshua as we've been doing this series, you, you'll know this, that God speaks to Joshua and says, be strong and courageous three times. Three. Three times. The first time is this one. Be strong and courageous. And it speaks of his purpose. Be strong and courageous because I want you to lead these people. 
The second time he says, be strong and courageous. And he, and he talks of, uh, keep your, your, your eyes on my word. Follow my leading. This is how I want you to be strong and courageous, by sticking to my word, by, by doing the things that I've called you to do in my word. So that talks of a process of how to be strong and courageous. And the third time he says strong and courageous, he talks and he says, because I will be with you. I'll be with you. And that's his presence, right? So he says, be strong and courageous with a purpose, with a process, and with his presence. But today I'm going to be specifically speaking on the first one, purpose. Now, a few years ago, I went to Thailand. Where's Holly? Yeah, what year was that? Like the second time? It was like, like, like four years ago? Five? Five or six years ago. We, we thought, ah, it's going to be great. Thailand, beaches, uh, pools, hotels, resorts, you know. So, so we had it in our, in our mind that it was going to be this beautiful experience. So we saved up all our dollars and we got the kids' uh, passports ready and, and off we went to Thailand. And when we got there, it, it looked amazing. Who's been to Thailand before? It's beautiful. It was beautiful. And we, uh, and we had our little, like, poolside villa. You know how they have the pools in the fancy places and it kind of wraps around and the houses are all placed around the pool? It's amazing. And so we, had our, we got there and we, we're like, this is amazing. And all the kids are like, yeah, they're jumping in the pool. It's fantastic, right? And it was so good. Now, the second day... As we got up in the morning to go down and get our breakfast, we walked into the elevator and it was full of spew. I don't know how to say it, but you know, you know what that's like. There's those little bits of corn and <laughs> carrot. You, you know, I don't have to describe it. But you, you know, it's a bit watery. It's horrible, right? So, anyway, we took the stairs and we didn't really think that much of it. Uh, but later on in that day, uh, I went to the toilet near the pool and uh, it was, it, it, I can still taste it. It's probably the worst I've ever seen. Like, seriously, I've, I've seen some bad toilets in my day, but it was like, it was, it was, actually feeling sick just thinking about it it was like the whole cubicle it was overflowing and everything was uh, it was really bad okay anyway it wasn't long after that that the kids started to say dad I'm feeling sick I think Ellie was the first one Sophie was it and then Ellie and then Ellie was so bad we had to take her to hospital like she just couldn't stop throwing up it was really bad and all of us that Zoe's throwing up on the bus it was like she fainted in the restaurant like it was really bad and and later on we realized that what was actually happening one of the staff let it slip that their 
there was some kind of broken pipe somehow and raw sewage was leaking into the pool. Like the whole hotel was just like, it wasn't good, it was not good. And I don't know if you've ever had that happen where something that seemed so good was actually so bad. Maybe you sat down for just a beautiful big Mexican lunch and it wasn't good. Or, or maybe you ate some chicken and got food poisoning. You know, and you were so sure. And as you were eating that meal, you were just like, oh, this is going to be the best thing. And it was far from it, you know. Or maybe, uh, or maybe you ate too much ice cream and it just... Or maybe... I remember when my parents said to me, Mark, as a teenager... I don't think you're ready for relationships yet. We, we just think you should be a bit older. But I snuck into one anyway and, and they were right. I wasn't mature enough and it ended up really hurting. But it looked so good on the outside and I was sure it's what my life needed to be happy. I was sure that I needed a girlfriend and... It turned out that it wasn't actually as good as I thought it was going to be. I don't know if you've noticed that in your life. Has that that happened to anyone? Where you were like, this is what I need, this is good, and it just ends up a bit of a nightmare. But it can happen the other way as well. I don't know if this has happened to you, but you've thought you were sure that something was going to be really bad, but it ended up good for you, like school. (laughs) I just hated every day of school. But I actually think I'm probably a better person from going to school uh, or work. You know, just work stuff. I remember the first week of... The first day of work... I was working in chicken sheds. I don't know if they even have chicken sheds anymore because they're like free range mostly, aren't they? I was working in the chicken sheds. Uh, I was 15 and um, we, our job was to catch chickens and they're in like a, um, like a cage, <laughs> I guess. And they stuff like 20 of them in there and they can't hardly move and the bat... The kind of the eggs just drop down, like, and I had to catch them and shift them to another part of the uh, warehouse. And like all day, it's just <laughs> like there's a million chickens in there. Has anyone worked in chicken sheds? Yeah, really intense. It was like, <laughs> it's like by the end of the day, I was thinking they were talking to me. It's like, ah, 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 look at me! You know, ah. it's like all day, you're just grabbing chickens. It's like, <laughs> you know, and I just I didn't like the idea of work, but actually. Work's been good for me. It's taught me a lot of things. And I got, after, you know, two days of slaving away, I think I got like $23 or something. It was amazing. But um, sometimes the things that are not so comfortable are actually the things that are 
good for us. I remember when I was uh, a teenager and Dad took this video, like a family video, and we were watching it back. And I, I heard this guy in the video just like being so mean to like my sister and brother. Just his voice was like so cutting and grating. And as the video panned around and Dad zoomed in on me, we were fishing and I was like telling him, well, get out of here, like, oh, I've got this fish. And it was me. <laughs> and I was shocked because I didn't know I sounded so mean. I had this delusion that I was this lovely brother that was never horrible and that everyone else's fault and they just gave me a hard time, you know. And then I was like, what? I sound horrible. And that was uncomfortable. But it showed me, it gave me insight and helped me realise that I wasn't as nice as I thought I was. I actually needed to change my attitude. I remember when I... I've shared this a number of times that I had anxiety and I, I remember the first day I actually went down to Adelaide to see a, a psychiatrist because I was getting worse and worse and I did not want to. I did, I did not want to be in that waiting room. I did not want to talk about my problems. I was scared like anything and it was really, really hard but I'm really glad I did it. It's probably one of the things that's actually been the best thing for me. I remember the time I did Freedom in Christ uh, with Lyle as a teenager, and that was really hard. I didn't want to do that stuff. I didn't want to talk about my issues and my problems and the things I was struggling with, but it was really good. And I'm so proud of the... I get to do Freedom in Christ a lot, and I see so many of the people that come in there. It's hard. But isn't it, sometimes it's really good when we do hard things, when we do difficult things, when we do things that we don't really want. And sometimes some of the things that we avoid the most, some of the things that we think are going to be bad, some of the times in our lives where we struggle the most were the best for us. Is that, anyone else noticed that? And that, that is a situation we find Rahab in. She's exactly in that situation. Rahab was a prostitute. And she lived in the wall, literally in the wall of Jericho. She was operating her business, she was doing her best and the whole city hear the rumour that the army of God is coming, the Israelites. They're coming and they've got their crosshairs fixed on Jericho. And everyone else is absolutely petrified. Everyone else in the city is terrified. They think it's the worst news they've ever heard, except Rahab. Rahab's not so sure that this is the worst thing 
that could possibly happen. She has a different viewpoint. She saw a bad day coming and she dared to think that maybe, maybe God had a purpose in it. So we know the story that um, Joshua sends out the spies and they go into the city and they find Rahab's business and instead of her giving them up, she realises they're spies but she hides them. She protects them. She keeps them safe from the military that are looking for them. And she says, guys... I want to keep you safe, but would you keep my family safe? I know this is God. I'm not, I've heard the stories of what he did when he, when he caused you guys to cross the sea through, through, the, through the Jordan. I know he's with you. I want to know this God. Would you take me with you? Would you protect me? And they make a deal, and she does. Maybe there's a purpose in your bad day. <coughs> this is a little this is a little challenging and I um I just ask you to bear with me. Because I'm not trying to be offensive, but my question is how do you know what you're going through is bad? Like, how do you really know? Like, what do we really know? Really? There's been times in my life when I was sure something was going to be good and it was actually pretty bad. And there's times where I was sure things were going to be bad and they were actually really good. Like, what do we really know? I just want to encourage us, church, about the purpose of God. And I just feel sometimes we miss out. Like the rest of Jericho, they, they just had it in their heads so much that they were, they were just fixated on this idea that this was the worst thing. This was just terrible. This army of destruction was coming and there was no need for them to all perish if they'd seen the purpose of God, like Rahab. How do you know it's bad? And I'm a classic for this. I just, I can, I can just be so negative and so sure when things are going wrong and I can just be like, God, why are you not there what what are you, what are you doing i can be so critical of him i can be so sure that this is just terrible and get stuck in that negative mindset but i just want to challenge us firstly as a church the next time you're going through a bad season or a bad day how do you know it's bad might turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. 
we know the story of Rahab and what happens is that uh, she is rescued by them. She, she meets this wonderful man. She ends up rich. Her children's children, children are the line of Christ and he came in the world through this lady. She had faith and her best days were yet to come. It actually ended up being a really, really, really good thing. And I just think sometimes we miss out on that. So I just kind of want to pause the sermon for a second. This is a little weird. I just felt on my heart that we... I want to lead us as a congregation in a like a prayer of repentance. I definitely feel that at times I just I'm just so proud. I think I know more than God, and I question so much when something's not going the way I think it should go. I can just be so critical of Him, and I. I want to have the heart of Rahab to see that maybe God's got a purpose in it. And I just want to, I just want to lead us in a prayer of repentance where we could stand together and just say, God, we're really sorry for just getting so caught up in what we think is good and not good that we fail to see at times what you could bring out of it. We just don't want to do that anymore. Is that okay if we, if we pray that way? Would you like to stand? I mean, I just think about parents, you know. It's like, have you ever seen parents who spoil their kids? You know, the worst thing you can do for a kid is give them everything they want. But sometimes we just get stuck in the mindset that that's what we need. God just give me what I want and we fail to recognize that that maybe it's actually better for us when we don't. Let's pray. Father, I just stand here with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just want to say, Father, that we're sorry. That sometimes we just get so caught up in thinking we know what's good for us. And we know what's bad for us and we avoid the bad like anything and we blame you. But, Father, we don't want to do that anymore. Father, we want to dare to trust that when things aren't going the way that we want, we want to believe that maybe you have a purpose in it. We want to keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Now, before I get too intense and too simplistic, I do, want to, um, I do want to say that, you know, sometimes things are actually bad. Sometimes things are evil. That it's not a discipline or, or something that God's brought up across our path to make us better. It's meant by the enemy to destroy us. Right? Jesus said, when he was in the temple on the first day of his ministry, he said, I have, the devil has come to kill, destroy, but I have come to give peace, to, 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 to 
cause the blind to see, to heal the sick, restore sight to the blind and, and uh, proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favour. So the devil does have an agenda. He doesn't like you, he doesn't like us and he wants to destroy us. And that means that sometimes we don't have a fun time. Abuse is not from God. Sickness is not from God. And some of us, some of us here, you're having such a hard time that at times that you probably struggle to even get out of bed because of maybe a sickness or cancer or, or, or just what's going on in your life. And I just I wholeheartedly thank you for agreeing with me. And we, we said as a church that we're going to keep our eyes on God and we're going to have an attitude that maybe God's got a purpose in it. But I just want to offset that by saying that there is evil and some things are meant to destroy you and it's not from God, it's abuse. But But that God can still... Do good through it. Let's have a look at this. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good of those who, have, who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So sometimes... Sometimes we just get confused what's good and bad, but sometimes things are actually bad. But the beautiful thing that, that the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 is that he can still bring good through it. And I don't understand fully what, what Rahab's story is. It doesn't talk about her history and her past, but historically... People don't choose to be prostitutes unless they don't really have any other options. So I think we can safely assume that there were some probably pretty hard things that she went through. That she had some bad days. She probably had abuse. She probably had a whole heap of stuff that happened that caused her to be in a really tough situation, a really tough job. Just being in that environment. But I don't think it's too much of a, a stretch to think that God had been speaking to her, that she had a heart for God from, from probably years before this. And why do I think that? Well, because that's what I see so often. When people become Christians, when people open their heart up to God, they come in this place, they recognise that, that God is, has been calling to them. So often they, they tell me this story about how they realise that God didn't just speak to them today, but he'd been calling them. He'd been speaking to them through their lives. And, and, he, and he opens their eyes to see, oh, he brought me through that. He brought me through that. He brought me through that and that tough situation and that abuse and he brought me to here and, and now they, they take that step and they walk into his arms, right? 
So if that's the story that most people say, well, why would it be any different for Rahab? Why wouldn't she have experienced that? You know, so that in that moment when she sees the army coming or she hears a story, it's all these little things that have been happening and God had been working in her life and it, it bursts into this opportunity of faith. And she was positioned in that place, even though it probably wasn't what she had planned and it, it wasn't necessarily what she'd hoped for and she was in that situation because of abuse and trauma, but God still used it for his purpose. So I just want to encourage us, if you're going through a hard day, if there's evil in your life, if you're being perpetrated against, or you've got things that have happened that have just about half killed you. Could we believe today that if we put our eyes on God, he could even use that for his purpose. He could even use that. As horrible as it is, as much as it's not his, he didn't inflict it on you, he can use it. Let's have a look at this verse from, from Genesis. It's the story of Joseph. Where's my little verse there? I can't find where I've got it in here. Oh, it's on the screen. <laughs> he says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. So uh, this one here says, you meant evil against me, good, but God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Isn't it great that God can turn evil into good? Last point. And this is um, oh, this is a little bit confronting too. Okay, so it seems obvious that this word, be strong and courageous, is a word for our church this season. It's, Tash shared last week about how, uh, uh, who was passing out the, Julie Moulds. She'd been praying and she felt uh, to, to encourage the town, be strong and courageous, uh, for I'm with you. And then uh, who else ratified that word? There was about three or four people. Jacob Dawson's doing it with the kids' church team and he didn't know. And other people that had been praying for us. It was quite unusual that it seems like God is saying to us, be strong and courageous. And that's great. Except he only says it in the Bible when people are about to face something tough. I don't know if you picked that up. Is it, am I the only one that kind of freaks out by that? It's like he's, like he's saying to us as a church, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I don't think he'd say that for no reason. He said it to 
Joshua as he was about to step into the promised land, but but because there was going to be some hard things, some battles, right? Did anyone else realize that? I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck is going to happen, God? Like, why are you saying this to our church? What are you leading us into? Did you think about that, Tash? It's kind of freaky, isn't it? And so in Joshua 1 verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous because I am going to use you to lead your people into the, into the promised land. There's a purpose there. And so that means if he's saying that to us as a church, he has a purpose for us. And not just me, not just Tash, you guys. Like, like he's got a purpose for us. And it's a purpose that you're going to need some strength and courage for. And it's a lot harder to trust God in his strength to allow him to lead if you feel like you've got better options you know this situation that Rahab found herself in she didn't really have a lot of options she either is destroyed or she humbled herself and sought the Lord dared to believe that he had a purpose and that was what what enabled her to do it, she, she laid down her plans, her purposes, her, her dreams of, of building her business to be the best in Jericho. And she laid it down and she looked to God's purpose. Purposes that I've had in my life a really big purpose that I like is to avoid conflict. I don't like conflict. God wants me to lay that down. I, another thing I really like that, that is a bit of a purpose for me is comfort. God is calling me to lay it down. I love it when people like me. Acceptance. But I need his Strength and courage to lay that purpose down. Maybe financial security or, or personal success to protect my reputation. I want to look good to others. I like to be in control. I like sometimes to avoid responsibility. And, and you might have your own personal purposes. I just pray now as we reflect on that, that God would bring to your heart and your mind the things that you hold up, the things that you go for, that God is saying, that's not your purpose. That's not your purpose. I'm calling you to something greater. Something that you're going to need my strength and my courage to face. Is anyone with me? You know what I'm saying?
and our and our um, our what's the word mentor, our example is Christ. And just the other day, um, Josh and the team were in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus Christ, who's just about to be taken and and murdered on a cross, he laid his purpose down. He said, God, Father, he always says Father, Father, would you take this cup of suffering from me, but, but not my will, but yours be done. That's our example. And, and church, that's, I, I believe, what God is calling us to. He's calling us to lay our purposes down and pick up the thing that that God is calling us to, that he might fill us with his strength and his courage to outwork the thing that he has for us. Would you like to stand? There might be people here today that have never done that. When I talked about Jesus and how he laid his life down for the sake of mankind, you might never have heard that, that that Jesus died for us. That he didn't do what he felt like, but he laid his life down and he died in our place. And if you've never... If you've never heard that before, you've never accepted that, or maybe you've never, you've never done that, that you've said, God, I, I want to copy Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to accept his sacrifice for me. But to do that, I recognize I need to lay down my agenda. And I want to follow you. If you've never done that this morning, I'd like to pray for you now. As a church, let's do that. And maybe you've done it before, but you want to refresh that. You want to say, yes, what Mark's saying, I feel that is a word for God, from God for me this morning. I recognize that I have these other agendas. I haven't really put God first and I'm excited about his purpose for my life. And I know that to, to do that, I have to lay mine down. So would you join with me as I pray? Father, I just pray for us as a church, especially for the ones that have never surrendered to Jesus before. They've never laid their purpose down. And I just pray, Father, for them now. As they sense you calling them to something much greater than they could do on their own, that they would be able to hand those things to you. The, the fear of, of needing to look good for others or, for, or comfort or, or, or financial security or being in control, that they would be able to lay those things down and say, Jesus, I give them to you, but I pick up your purpose, whatever it may be. I want to take a step towards you like, like that, that lady Rahab. Instead of seeing situations as evil or bad, I want to hold on to your word. I want to look to Jesus Christ. I want to look to God. Would you like to repeat after me? Father God, right now, I want to be, I want to be obedient to you. I want to lay my selfish purposes down and I'll pick up what you're calling me to. And I'm going to be strong and courageous through your power of the Holy Spirit.
In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word that was. Hey, if you felt like you really connected to that word, then feel free to jump onto life.house, click on my response and tell us all about it. We'd love to hear it. We love having you guys online. We even more want to see you in person. So if you're in Murray Bridge on a Sunday morning, come through 170 Adelaide Road at 10 a.m. and we will see you in person. See you then.